are now entering Superflex City population. All the QBs, all the Superflex content, and all of you Superflexers. Superflex finally has a home all its own, and the city never sleeps. Superflexperts, Superflexible, the Superflex Super Show, and much, much more all under one city skyline means you never have to leave Superflex City. Every ounce of Superflex advice, theory, speculation, and strategy on the planet lives right here. Subscribe to the Superflex City podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts and get access to the only fantasy football entity on earth that is committed entirely to Superflex. Let the Superflex Authority be your tour guide as you explore these city streets. Welcome to Superflex City. Super Flexperts. Dustin Church, co-host of Dynasty Junkies and Trade Addicts 3 brother. How are you today? Welcome. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Bill? Man, happy to get you on here. Uh, you're a hot commodity, so it's uh, it's nice to get you on here. And, uh, you know, we can pick your brain a little bit and learn some things about you that maybe... We didn't know before this. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be on. I know that, you know, I've got a lot of craziness going on right now, and and missed a, missed a had to reschedule a couple of times, but I'm glad that we're finally able to get it done. And you know, it's looking at um, some of the some of the questions. It's a good time to actually kind of talk about this. This is kind of my wheelhouse, so I'm actually it kind of worked out. Like the, I'm I'm glad that we're doing it now. So I'm excited to be here. All right. So just before we start, like, how many leagues do you play in? So I'm, I'm actively trying to, to cut back down some of my leagues, but I'm in, I think this year I hit with Scott Fishbowl and some of the satellites, I was in about 32 this year. Um, I'm trying to get that down into like the 12 to 15 range. That That's where I feel comfortable. Um, I've already cut back some of the ones that just weren't, like I, I kept some leagues going a little bit too long just because I felt like I, I I should keep them going and um you know but i'm starting to realize like if i'm not enjoying it like there's there's other leagues out there so like i want to do this for fun i don't want it to be a, be a job so i'm getting back down to that 12 to 15 range i'll feel feel pretty comfortable there i know they'll probably join one or two this year you know our buddy outhouse will will try and bring us in on a random one that he decides that he wants to start so i'm, I'm leaving room for to to add one or two in there but you know, 12 to 15 is where, where I feel is, is my wheelhouse. Well, I'll be good. Well, and that's a good thing, like, for people to uh, don't feel like you have to stay in leagues. Like, if you're not having a good time, I mean, that's a good enough reason not to be stay in the league. It's not, as a commissioner, uh, I know that I'm going to lose people every year. Like, I or I expect that I'm going to lose people every year for whatever reason. So I don't really take anything personally, and I think most commissioners feel the same way so 
anybody that's kind of on the fence, I mean, the earlier you do it, the better. So I think that commissioners will appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way. Like, I think we all got a little gung-ho last year or with COVID. Everybody wants to do startups because they're bored. And, you know, it's just one of those things where we got to pay the piper now. And that that's uh, cutting back a little bit. So you're right on right there. Like, it's so easy to find find owners right now to, to replace owners, whether it's like fantasy Twitter, like you and I, like we're in a lot of the same groups. We know a lot of the same people. So like, it's easy for us to find, find other people. Like I just put out, I had a couple openings in the league. I put out a couple tweets and it was filled pretty quickly. Just there's always people that are out there for the challenge or different types of leagues. So it's, it's pretty easy. So don't feel bad if you want to leave the league, like, your spot will be replaced pretty quickly. 100%. So let's get into the off season. That's where our brains are now. Um, or the non-point scoring season, as Outhouse calls it. And, I mean, it is truly a, a whole different season. And, I mean, for Dynasty players, this is... I think I spend as much time, if not more, looking at my teams and kind of building my strategies now than I do during the NFL season. Like I'm, I'm one that I'm always evaluating my teams as I go, but like, I don't take any time off. Like I started Monday, the Monday after week 16, I was making plans for next season. Um, I, I've already started making moves. Like I, I look at right now is the time and I don't want this to come, come across wrong, but right now is the time, like when you could take advantage of the slowness and like really get good deals done. Like you're not, you're, right now, you're not, unless it's like big playoff performances, you're not trading. I think right now is the best time to trade because you're not trading against um, performances. Like, you know, Dynasty community so up and down with performances during the season that right now you're you're really able to go get your guys and you're really able to like really um, work on your roster right now. Um, it is some, a lot of owners like to take time off, but I think it's really like, it's the time, like, if you want to put into it, like, you can really get get your team going right now. And, like, you talked about Outhouse. Like, he talks a lot about, like, don't worry about setting your lineup now. But, like, right now is the time when you can buy those vets before, before the draft and all that stuff. Like, you know, right now is the time that you can get your good deals before the season and, and the preseason starts. So this is, like, my favorite time of the year. So I'm, like, I'm pumped. And I've already... And uh, our boy Rocky can attest to the season. A couple of my leagues, I've actually probably made about thirty to forty trades already in the off this off season in like the three weeks. It's it's insane. Yeah, I mean, you were peppering me with offers in the two leagues that you and I are in, so I am fully aware of your activity at this point of the season. Um, but I'm not giving up Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, it was worth a shot. <laughs> the season's over you're looking at your teams like kind of what are you doing is there anything in particular or is it just hey i think this guy's undervalued right now or like what are you exactly doing before you start making offers let's say i kind of like look at like where my season ended like did i end where i thought i was going to or did i not end where i was going to like i had um a team i took third place in Uh, i was in the money but I looked at the two teams above me and I looked at who was below me and I knew like, I had some declining assets on my team. And I was like, you know, these teams are set to compete for a while. I know that like once these, these older guys, they start uh, dropping off a little bit, I'm done. I don't have anything left and I don't have any picks like, cause I sold out for the championship. 
So, and I, I knew I was going to end in the money and I knew I was going to make the playoffs. So that team I decided to blow up now instead of trying to compete for another year or two, like knowing the teams above me and the team that I beat out for third, there are stronger teams than I am. And like, I look at that same thing with like, like if I had a rebuild that like I started to finally put, put um, some, some momentum on, like if I'm a piece or two away, then like, or just looking in like, I know I'm not like right now, I'm not worrying about setting a lineup, but I look like what would happen to my lineup right now? What would my depth be like right now? Like, do I think knowing my league, um, do I think I, I can get the pieces I need to put me over the top or not? Um, I think a big part of anything with this type of, you know, this type of the time of the season is knowing your league and knowing your league mates. Like, you know, if you're going to be able to get your deals done now or, or if not, like, you know, your owners, if they're going to take time off or not. Like I know in some of my leagues, there are certain people that take all the way off until the the draft. Like they don't do anything during the draft. So I know those teams I'm not going to, to be able to get anything done with, but I just you know I'm always analyzing. And um, I, I look at the other teams in my league a lot. And like, I look at what moves they're doing. And then I, I look at like what, what other owners are doing, like if they're buying or selling, um, and then like, if I see somebody that's starting to sell some other, their elite pieces, it looks like they're going to start going towards that rebuild. Then those are the owners that I go like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go try to get those pieces. Cause he's obviously willing and dealing right now. So I'm going to go get the pieces I want. Like I said, a few minutes ago, you know, right now is the time you can go get those, those rubber woods, those Cooper cups, the guys that like are super solid for your team that aren't, aren't elite guys that, but they're going to help help your lineup. Those are the guys you can go get right now. Cause they're not putting up points. So that's what I'm focusing on is getting those depth pieces right now. Um, and then obviously like if I have any rebuilds where I have picks, I'm absolutely not selling any picks right now because I know during the draft when I'm on the clock, those are when they're going to be the most valuable. Um, you know, we all know Trevor Lawrence is one one but, just seeing him actually drafted to the Jaguars, like people are going to pay that much more when that, when he's actually drafted, um, like it happens every year. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying picks right now, unless they're like 22 or 23 picks, because I know buying into the draft is going to be impossible right now. So I'm one of those ones. I don't try to get draft crazy. Um, if I don't have picks, I don't have picks and I'm just going to probably take the draft off just because I'm not going to pay the prices um, of what what it's going to cost to get into the draft. So um, I know I just kind of threw a lot out there to everybody, but um, you know I just I'm always just analyzing my my the other teams in the league, see where I compete with them um, against, um, and then so looking at how what their activity is, and then I, I adapt to that. Let's go back to this like the beginning of when you were mentioning like okay you have a team that maybe finished in third, you kind of see like okay, you could maybe try to compete, but there's other teams that are just so much stronger than yours. So you decide you're maybe going to start a little bit of a rebuild. So what does that mean to you? Like, are you blowing the team up? Are you like where you're just trading every like veteran or is it something more along the lines of, all right, I'm just going to look to move like a couple guys that so I can get younger overall, but I can still maybe compete. Just, just kind of curious on like what your thought process is when it comes to that. Yeah, definitely. Like, I look at it differently. There's a rebuild and there's like somewhat retooling. Um, this league, I decided to go rebuild because 
I owned my first in 2022. So I knew like, hey, you know, I if I blow it up, I have a good shot at the 101. And then I also know like there's nobody else out there doing this right now. So it's going to be easier for me to rebuild now when nobody else is doing it. Be, be, like I'll be able to buy those picks because I still had good assets. I had Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Russell Wilson, like Keenan Allen. Like, so I, I have some good assets out there that I can, I, I can turn into picks and young guys. Um, when I'm going full rebuild, I want to get as many points out of my lineup as possible. Um, if I own my own pick, like that's, that's the thing as I, I think like a lot of people decide to go rebuild, but they don't have their picks and like it, it, it really makes it difficult because then you're never going to get your pick back because it, everyone knows what you're doing. Like, so you have to commit to a rebuild when you actually have your own pick. Um, it's, it's really hard to do it when you're giving up the one-on-one and not, um, but like I'm, I usually, if I'm going to rebuild, I go full rebuild. I, I try to sell as many assets as possible. Um, specifically running backs. I will not want, want any running backs on my team. Um, the one rebuild that I talked about that I went hardcore into my running back one is Zach Moss. And my running back two is Jalen Richard. Like that's all that I have on my team right now. Um, at running back. Those are the only two on my roster. And that's, that's, I'm fine with that. Um, so, you know, running backs, we all know, like those are the positions that are going to, uh, that are going to decline the quickest and, and lose their value the quickest. So if I'm going to rebuild, I don't have any running backs. I build around quarterbacks because I always, I only play super flex leagues, quarterbacks and wide receivers, and then I'll get everything else with the draft. Um, that's how I do it. Um, but there's like, you know, I, I look at the non-point scoring season off season is a, a great time to retool as well. Um, when people aren't looking at performances really from the past year to, to move on, like, maybe some lateral moves like i'll sell julio jones for like a cooper cup like just to gain four or five years like julio might produce a little bit more but like that's how you're going to keep like when you get your true dynasty team going where you're competing year in and year out is that's how you're going to stay competitive is just doing those lateral moves um just to gain a couple years back um so that's where i i don't usually go full rebuild unless i i look like i'm pretty far out um, I'm usually more of a, a retooler. That's I. Sometimes it gets me in a little bit too much trouble. I trade sometimes just to trade. Like I, I retool too much and it take and it, it messes things up. Um, that's a whole another podcast. But um, yeah, like I, I, I'm one. I don't usually have my picks because like when I'm going to compete, I trade all my picks. So it's really hard for me to commit to a full rebuild um, because of you know I, I if I don't have my pick, I'm not gonna give somebody else the one-on-one um so you know that's that's kind of my philosophy i'm usually more of a retooler not a full blow it up type do you find it's easier to retool um like moving those veterans like during the season than the the off season you know because i think like people immediately become a little ageist when once you hit the non-point scoring season or not, I mean, not all, everybody, but I think that there's a lot of people that do because they are looking to get that pretty lineup and get the, you know, the young studs on their, their roster. Um, so like that Julio trade, for example, like a lot of people are going to, do you think there's less opportunity now than if it was like October? Yes and no. I mean, Julio is a, probably a more difficult case just because... 
he didn't really do much this year. So like he didn't really have any value during the season. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good at sales. <laughs> I will say that. So, um, you know, if I see a team that, you know, like say finished top three, top four was that one piece away, that's the teams that I'm trying to move Julio to. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sell Julio to a bottom half team. I'm trying to sell him to the guy that just missed out. Like, you know, look at Julio. I'm giving you a good deal on him. Like he's the type that'll, he'll bring you over the top. He gives you another piece that you can start. Um, and you know, that's how I kind of sell that. Um, now, if those if you have those vets and they are performing midseason, it's it's really hard for you to commit to selling them in in the middle of the season. They're putting up points, and you're kind of fording with that playoff spot. Like, unless you, it, it takes a lot of balls to just like be like, okay, you know what, Julio's putting up twenty five a game, but I'm going to trade him right now. Like, it's just really hard to do that. Um, so, like, it's probably easier to do, but I don't see a lot of owners that actually do it unless you're a bottom half team that randomly had Julio or uh, another performing bet on there. But there's always that team that is, is fine with vets. That isn't an agent. There's always one of those, a couple of those guys in your league. It just gets back to knowing, like we talked about at the beginning, like knowing your league and knowing your league league mates is going to help you be able to, to move those types of guys. Like I knew when I decided to sell Julio, there's probably only two or three teams that I could probably send them to. So I, I attacked those teams and I was like, Hey, like I'm moving Julio. What's your offer? Like, and I just, I went for it and like, cause I just knew who, who would be the ones to, to buy. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's super important. And pretty much every league is just to know the, your league mates, because we all have a personality on how we want to build our teams or maybe people are just more active at certain times, like you said earlier. So yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. Let's bounce to something that's a little less football oriented for a minute. Who is your favorite athlete as a child? I grew up as a big basketball fan. Um, and the easy answer is Michael Jordan, but mine was actually Sean Kemp. So I grew up in, in Seattle. Um, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp uh, in the mid 90s. Like that was just a lot of fun to watch. Um, I've actually had the privilege of meeting Sean Kemp. Um, before he's doing what he's doing now like it was just like after he was done with the calves and like wasn't really doing much and i just randomly ran into him at nike town and it was just pretty awesome um so i i i just loved sean camp and gary payton like i just loved the the dynamics of those two um but i grew up i was actually more of a baseball fan growing up um i i worked for the mariners for about eight nine years for for a while um and obviously you know growing up ken griffey jr um, you know, I was born in 85. He was a rookie in, in 89. So my whole nineties growing up, like Ken Griffey jr. Was that, um, but he, he wasn't actually my favorite Mariner. Like, so I'm going to throw back. I, you know, I said, Sean Kemp, not a big name. Jay Buner was my favorite like Mariner back in the day. Um, so Sean Kemp and Jay Buner were probably like, I just, those two were just like not your traditional, uh, you know, players. And like that, I loved what they brought to the table. Um, just like I love Dennis Rodman back in the day, like he just had his place and he was different and I loved it. Um, so, but Jay Buner and Sean Kemp would probably be my, my, my favorite two players. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, Kemp was awesome. Like he just, his dunks and the way he had so much flair. Like it was just awesome. Like the, you know, the rain coming, man. I loved watching him. All right. Somebody offered you a trade or you're thinking about making a trade and you can go to one person 
who are you going to to talk it out? I usually go to Rocky, um, and that's because we're completely different with the way we build teams. Um, I don't like to go to someone that thinks like me. I go to someone that thinks differently than I do. So maybe I'm seeing something, he's seeing something different or, or thinking a different way. Um, it's not just because we, we, we co-hosted together for a while on, on Junkies. It's just like, you know, we build differently. So I like being able to kind of get different opinions and different advice on things. So, and he he's, he's decent. He knows his stuff a little bit. So yeah, um, Rocky Petrella, just in case, you know, the oh. listener doesn't know who he is, uh, at, uh, dynasty FF addict on Twitter. So that's why Dustin will not go to me for questions because he and I think too much alike. Apparently on Scott Fishbowl, they have the, some sort of app where you could see who drafted similarly to you. And I look and there's like five people I match up with and Dustin's one of them. So it's like of 1,440 people and a dude that's in my DAP network with me is drafting the same way as me. So apparently that's we why we, that's why we can't thing. agree on any trades. Like we, <laughs> we, we very rarely get a trade done because we think the exact same way. Like that's right. And both of our teams, I, we're, I think we're only in two leagues together, but both of our teams are in the same place in both those leagues. So, like, we're both kind of rebuilding in both of those. So, it's really just hard for us to, like, we're always doing the exact same thing. So Yeah, it's like we, uh, <laughs> we'll never, we'll never, uh, we're like the uh, Spider-Man uh, pointing at each other, you know. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's perfect. So, it is startup season. You said you were going to get into potentially one or more, maybe. That's my bet. Um, <laughs> so obviously super flex. So you're in a startup. What are you, how are you attacking quarterback typically in a startup? Let's say it's your typical 12 team league, 10 starters, um, you know, 25 man rosters, let's say. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely want to leave the draft with three starting quarterbacks. Um, I don't try to get to four or five. I'll do like usually three and then make maybe like a, a high upside backup. Like a, like a didn't pay out this year, but a Jameis type. Like I, I had some Jameis, um, quite a few shares of Jameis. Um, trying to think of one I had the last couple years. Like I had a, a bunch of foals and just because I knew at some point he was going to probably get his shot. So like, I like to have like a high upside backup. Um, I took a lot of Jalen Hurts in my leagues this year um, just because he was going mid second in the super flex and that panned out for me. And I, I, I traded most of the shares away just cause I don't like the situation, but um, I'm, I'm also the type, I don't usually trade up for a quarterback. Um, I like to do the productive struggle in the draft. I like to trade back and trade back as much. I try not to make it pick for the first two to three rounds um, and try to pick up as many like future first as I can. But I, it's not just because of that. I also like owning the third, fourth, fifth round, like if I can, like owning multiple picks in that place. Um, that's, I don't like, if you take a player in the first round, you need them to return value on, on the first round. Um, versus in the fourth or fifth, you get a whole bunch of those guys. Like, you know, a couple of those guys are going to outperform and then you're getting the first, second round value out of that. Um, so I like to focus on a little bit later rounds and get, uh, future assets for me. And that's definitely been a strategy that works for me. Um, that's one that a lot of people have kind of learned and uh, it's harder to do now. 
Um, I was going to do it. We did the definitely not a new league, which is what now the dynasty awesome sauce with the homies league. Um, I was planning on doing the productive struggle, but then Russ and Bill Latin were both doing it and they were both trading back. So then I traded up to get Mahomes, and I had, I think two or three first in that, in that draft. Um, so I like to do opposite of whatever the league's doing. So if everybody's like trying to trade up, then I'm trading back. If everyone's trading back, then I trade, trade up. Um, because, you'll either get a good value by giving up your, your picks early to trade back. You're going to get extra if everyone's trying to buy. Um, same with buying up. It's cheaper to buy up and get those assets if, if everyone's trying to trade back. So um, that's the way I attack it. Um, quarterbacks, I read the runs, but I don't like over panic for the runs. Um, I'm not one of these guys that needs an elite quarterback. I don't need a Mahomes or a Herbert or anything like that. Um, the thing about those two was like, elite guys come out of nowhere all the time. Like Mahomes and Herbert were both not early picks um, in super flex leagues and rookie drafts. And now they're both top three quarterbacks. Um, so I don't panic on try to trying to get what everyone says are elite quarterbacks. Um, I'm fine with Rogers cousins and a high upside Teddy Bridgewater or, or something like, or a car, you know, like one of those guys, like I'm completely fine with that. Um, I bought a lot, a lot of Tannehill because he wasn't, wasn't didn't cost a lot um i i those if you wait on quarterback in and i know john hogue and rocky that there's more coming with that and they argue a lot about this but like the the middle to late rounds there is nothing at running back and if you don't if if you don't take early running backs you're not gonna be able to compete um that's just kind of what i've worn the last couple of years it seems like there's also been a lot of quarterback change with a lot of the older guys like leaving the league and you know, we're going to have Breeze and Brady and, and those types leaving here soon. Like there's a lot more. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's not as many elite guys. There's a really big middle tier of, of quarterbacks. So I don't care about getting one of those elite guys. As long as I get a couple in that, that middle tier, then I'm fine. Okay. Yeah. That's, that seems to be like probably where I would say most people are. I think Hogue's on like a, like, you know, he's on one end of the spectrum. And I think, like, you know, there's people that are just willing to go with, like, QB 24, 25, and 26 as their three quarterbacks. I'd, I'd say you're maybe a little bit more risky, I guess. Or, you know, you'll take willing to take a little bit more risk by picking quarterbacks that, you know, aren't the big names or maybe don't have the more years of potential, you know, service left. Um I think that that's the biggest thing, right? Like, people are just comfortable. It's it's all a, a comfort thing. And Rocky, he's like, I'll just take all the old guys. It's okay. And then I'll just figure it out next year when I have to. And, like, I get that. And that's, like, a very aggressive way of playing. Like, I, I'm probably where you are. Like, I like to have maybe one guy that's at least younger that I know or I can hope might play for seven, eight years. Cousin Stafford, Carr, those are guys that are like always on my list just because they're, you know, they're kind of, you know, they have a job and they're probably not going to lose it for the next couple of years. And just the job security is so important now because, like you said, there's so many jobs that are going to be changing. And I don't think there's going to be enough quarterbacks to fill those spots that teams are going to be happy with those players, you know? So, like, even Daniel Jones last year, everybody was, like, high on him because he had some big games. Now, are we sure he's going to be a quarterback in two years? Exactly. You know, it's, it's it's an interesting thing now with quarterbacks. So. Yep, exactly. And, like, I mean, I do, like, 
if I if I'm not doing any trade ups or trade backs, I'm just taking my picks. I usually try to get one in the first three rounds, and then I get try I get like two more in like seven, eight, nine, kind of right in there. It depends on where the the draft is going. Um, I'm usually getting my third by eight, nine, ten, like kind of in that range. Um, I I usually will take one third, fourth, and then I kind of like maybe take one in the seventh and eighth or one in the eighth and the ninth, or I get my last two right there. So I'm not getting the guys with the big question marks if they're going to make it through the year, but I'm not taking the top guys either. What did you want to be when you were 10 years old? I knew I wasn't going to be in the NBA or at least I assumed I wasn't going to be in the NBA. I actually really wanted to be a sports agent. Um, I just thought it would be cool to like, and I kept looking at like Scott Boris, um, a baseball like superstar agent. I was like, man, he's getting 10% of all these contracts. And I was like, Alex Rodriguez just signed $200 million at the time. Like 200 million, like that was a huge contract at the time. I was like, man, he just like, look how much money he's making doing this. And I was like, and then he just gets to go. He's sitting on the sidelines watching the games. Like he's in, like, I was like, that was, that's the life to me. Like I don't have to play. Um, so I really wanted to be a sports agent for quite a while. Um, I just, I love where I'm at. And at the time, like Seattle wasn't like what it is now. Like I was like, I, I don't want to move to LA or New York to be a sports agent. Like, so I just kind of changed my thought, but I really wanted to be like, I knew I wanted to probably do something with sports. Like that's just what I grew up doing. And now I don't do anything with sports at all. Um, that that's how it works. Right. Um, but yeah, sports agent, it, cause I wasn't going to be in the NBA. <laughs> that's cool, man. That's actually a really, you know, there's a lot of like legalese you got to understand in that. You basically have to become an attorney, right? Like almost to be a an agent. I'm too nice of a guy. I, I, I yeah, couldn't I got deal. You. I, I'm not cutthroat enough to do it. So <laughs> that's kind of where I was at. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I like to be liked as well. Uh, <laughs> what would you say your biggest weakness is in fantasy football? Tinkering too much. Um, sometimes I just trade to trade. Um, I like one of the leagues, one league specifically, I've made probably 15 trades since the off season. And like, everyone's giving me a whole bunch of shit. Like Dustin, like, isn't going to even have his roster anymore. Um, and I was the number, I was not the third team overall, but I was number one in points and standings throughout the entire year. Like I had, I had the best team. Um, and we'll see if I have that next year. Cause I've done so much trading. Um, and a lot of my friends and even Rocky will tell you, like, sometimes I just trade to trade. Um, and so I trade myself out of contention sometimes just thinking that I'm trying to outsmart everybody else and it backfires. Um, I, I, I like activity so much that I, um, I can't not have activity sometimes. So I will just go create activity and it doesn't always work for me. Um, other weaknesses I don't. I'm not good at playing the waiver wire. Um, usually like once I, I usually do all my acquisitions via trade. I don't usually, I'm not the guy that's going to get James Robinson off waivers. Um, I'm very hesitant for some reason when it comes to waiver wire players, I want to wait, take the wait and see approach. And then by then I, I'm never going to get those players. Um, I can't think of any waiver wire guys that I've hit on like at all. That's a big weakness, weakness of mine. How do you counteract that? Or how do you like improve in that area? Is it just like roll the dice? How do you, how do you think you can improve there? That's a good question. I haven't, that's one I hadn't really thought of. Um, yeah. 
I'm I'm a big market value guy. That's how I trade. I I don't look at what performances are doing, even though performances drive market value. I look at just with all my leagues and what's being said on Twitter and like what's being just said around. And, you know, if somebody's getting buzz, then like I like to sell during the buzz and buy during like an injury. Like my, my, one of my favorite moves is buying in, in players as soon as they go on injured reserve. Like I bought a bunch of Cortland Sutton because he's out for the season. Like I like buying those types of guys that I know are, are going to bounce back and then reflipping them when they, like when they're playing and, and, get more back than what I paid. Um, that's the way that I do it. Um, it's kind of like a, a stock market approach, kind of like Scott Connor, but not as extreme as Scott Connor does. Um, I still get attached to players, but I get more attached to value and, and, and things like that. And that's how I kind of counteract things um, is by trading on, when the value is high and, and buying when it's low. Um, waiver wire. I, a lot of the times there I just need to find the. T- I need. To, I'm working on like setting time, for a personal time. Like it's something like professionally and personally. I'm growing on is just uh, keeping personal time, and that'll allow me to like jump in and and look at it. I need to, and just not taking the wait and see approach. Um, like I, I've always been like, you know, if I'm wrong on a guy, then I'll go pay the extra little bit that's going to take to get him. Uh, but I don't want to give up a bunch to buy him now and and then not be anything. Because we've all seen it, like we've seen, what's that wide receiver for the Cowboys a couple years ago that scored three touchdowns in the first first week, and everyone like went crazy for him, and then he, um, everyone was trading for him, and he hasn't done anything since then. Like Travis Fulgham, like same example this year. Like everyone was like, I saw him going for a first round picks, like, and people were going crazy for him, and now like he's on waiver wires. Like nobody has him on their rosters anymore. So like, you know, I'm the, I like to wait and see, and then I'll just I'll pay more then. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it, it, waivers are a tough thing because you really do have to put the work in. You know, it's like, and this is an issue that a lot of us run into with that play in a lot of leagues. It's like, you don't have time to like dig deep and go, okay, who's available on this waiver wire? That's the what I hear from most people. Like, you know, when I talk to Scott or John Bauer, you know, guys like that, that have a ton of leagues, it's like, I just don't have time to study every league. So I just go in and look and see what I need. And I go to that position and I look and see who's available and I try to make a bid, but I'm not researching to see who's getting more snaps the last three weeks than they used to that for a guy who might pop, you know, like those are the sort of things like that. You know, I think people that play in a lot of leagues have a hard time doing. So yeah, it's, that's a tough one to improve on. Like, uh, unless you're willing to put in a ton of work. And I mean, it's just hard to do that. Yeah, no, and, like, I've missed out. Like, I talked about John, James Robinson. Like, I missed out on him, and I've seen him traded for, like, I saw him in a league go for 103. Like, I would easily love to, like, that's so much, you're getting so much value because you got him for free off waivers, and now you're getting a stud for him. Like, you know, like, I've missed out on opportunities like that, and it sucks, but. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but it's just part of it. You know, you're, you're, you, you do enough trades to where you can make up for that kind of stuff. So it's just a, yeah. a different activity right like you're doing yep. you doing an activity you like to do more so like that's not a wrong way of attacking it so yeah how about this like we have startups back to the startups a little bit we have startups that um before the draft a lot of times people will include the current year draft picks in the draft have you participated in any of those i'm assuming you have yes i have yeah okay 
I kind of know. I probably know the answer to this, but do you find yourself having more, like, more picks than uh, most, or less picks than most when you're doing a startup? Definitely less. Um, when you have like, usually your startup is before your rookie draft, and having the picks included, like, is right when rookie fever is going on. So everyone is clamoring for those picks, and the value is dropping. Like, you know, and like, yes, there's lots of good rookies coming out. Like the last couple of classes have been, we've been spoiled by them, but rookies don't always all hit so i'm i'm going to take the proven value that's dropping because everyone's going for picks like yeah give me that all day <laughs> yeah i knew the answer to that before i asked it so like that, was that, and that, that those are ones where I'll, I'll i'll try to trade back too in the startups like let everyone come up and try to buy those picks and then like i'm i'm just going to mop up the third fourth and fifth rounds just those middle rounds because all that value is going to just keep dropping back because everyone's trying to buy picks so that's i love it that's a good way to gain value because it's insane sometimes. Like there's, I've seen where like four picks have gone in like the top 20 in a startup, you know? And it's like, oh my God, like there's like amazing players falling into the third round because of that. And it's just like, uh, you know, but it's fun to make draft picks and I I get it. Like I understand why people do it and Hey, if you want to do it, that's great. I'm not sure it's the best philosophy unless you run into these rookie classes that we had the last two years. And I'm not sure this year we're going to have the read on the rookie class as much as we have in previous years just because of the craziness of 2020. Yeah, 100%. Like, I know that, like, I've traded out of most of my my drafts that I've had any 2021 picks in just because I know that there, people are still going to go for value, but I, I don't feel like we have a lot of clarity on, on players this year compared to other years. Um so I'm I'm trading out of most of them, and right now I know like people are paying for those. So I'm yeah, that's that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I'm I'm really interested to see how it uh, it plays out this year because personally, like I think getting third round picks and fourth round put rookie picks might be the way to go because it's just gonna be a crapshoot like after the top ten guys and like the NFL teams don't even know who they're gonna be taking. So it you might be you know, a fifth round guy might be as good as a second round guy this draft. So like the value might actually be just moving back in the rookie draft and doing a shotgun approach and hope you hit on a couple guys. Yeah. I actually saw you uh, talk about that like about a month back, I think a couple of weeks back that I saw you talking about that. And I've actually gone and like tried to just get as many thirds and fourths as I can, like moving, like the guys that like I was doing it like in, right before the fantasy playoffs, like moving those guys that they're performing now that probably aren't going to have a lot of value. Like they're going to get be replaced by something like just like, you know, the Mike Davises, the Wayne Gallman's like getting thirds and fourths for those types of guys. Like that. I, I was like, if I have any of these shares, I'm just going to move them to get, to get whatever, because I'm not, they're not going to have any value later on. So I, I've been trying to get as many thirds and fourths that I can. Um, we've actually been spoiled with third round picks the last two drafts as well. It's been, it's been crazy. Like Gibson, Claypool, like those are just a couple of the names that like were big names that are going to have a ton of value. Deontay Johnson was a third round pick. Like there's just been a lot of good value in in those later rounds in general. Even going back like to like five years ago, I mean, or four years ago, like you had, um, Connor, um, David Johnson, uh, Aaron Jones, uh, Galladay, you know, I mean, there's a yep. ton of guys that were getting picked in the, the third and fourth rounds. Tyreek. Yeah. I mean, there. so it's just crazy. Like, I mean, 
the issue is just how many uh, roster spots you have. Like, you just can't, like, pick everybody. But, like, I mean, there is value to be found there. And I think this year there's going to be more value to be found there than, than most. So, you know, it'll be fun. Like, if you still want to make picks, just get a bunch of third and fourth round picks and trade your earlier picks, you know? So, uh, that's... Yeah, those are those are the fun rounds, too. Because then, like, if your guy hits, then, like, you know, you can be like, yeah, that I was on that guy. Yeah, that's right. Then you can show how smart you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about auctions? Have you do you, any of your leagues auction leagues? Yeah, I've done a few auctions. Um, I like auctions. It's a completely different animal, but I've definitely um, done a couple, and I've done a couple more in the last more recently. Um, I like being able to to really go get my players. Um, like as much as you can in an auction. Um, but yeah, they're, they're fun. They're, they're just a lot of, a lot more strategy that goes into it. Um, which is what I like. Yeah. So that's, is it also, um, the ones you're in, are they also auctions for like the rookie drafts? Yeah. I've done it both ways where you're, um, you can buy rookie picks. Um, I've also done it to where, um, Rocky did one last year, which is pretty interesting that, um, he did a randomizer and where he came up with dollar values for each, um, like $4 for 101, 375, 350, like all the way down. And then he paired that with like a second and third round pick to like make all the dollars equal, um, for auction dollars. So that was pretty cool doing it that way. Um, I've been in ones where, um, it's hard to do. I think in a startup, you have to include the rookie picks, um, in the the auction um because there's not really an easy way to to figure out a draft order from the auction results unless you're just doing random which which is fine doing it that way but i think if you're bidding on a starting lineup then you should be able to bid on your picks as well um if player if people want to go into the startup um auction by focusing on young guys and getting picks they should be able to go buy picks and not have to spend their money on players um so that's that's the way I feel about that. Um, I they should be included, but I've seen them both ways. So, do you um, you have any tips for anybody that's in an auction, uh, like a startup this this off season? Uh, anything that comes to mind? Don't bid for the first two days. Um, in all reality, um, everyone's going to be really excited just to to start. Like they're going to see Patrick Mahomes on the board. Um, they're going to see, you know. Um, Jonathan Taylor now on the board, like, and they're gonna like get sucked in. And only a dollar more, only a dollar more, and like you're gonna get sucked in. Like, I I've been guilty of that as well, but I try to not, um, I try not to bid on for the first couple of days and let the big guys go where that takes half of people's money. And then knowing that I can outbid anybody else going forward, I can I can go one dollar above anybody and, and get my guy. Um, also, like. I'm big on like if I know that there's guys that are getting a lot of buzz in the preseason or, or a trade or, or whatever it can be, those are the guys I put on the block um, to get people to spend their money. Cause the, the goal in the auction isn't for you to, to really build your team. It's to get other people to spend money. Um, and a lot of people like look at it like, no, an auction is here. So I can go buy my team. I'm like, you realistically, you can't go buy your ideal team. Like you can't, your goal should be to get other people to spend as much money as they can on the players that you don't want. So I'm, I'm big. I don't, I, I never put up players that I want 
until the end when I'm trying to fill out the rest of my roster um, and getting like the high upside guys that I, that I know I want that I can get for a buck or two that might hit. Those are, that's when I'm like putting my own players up, but I'm putting up players. I don't want to get people to spend their money so that the players I want are staying out there longer. Yeah. I dig that. That's kind of how I play it as well. And, and the way that you're like, when you say don't bid the first two days, you know, of course, if you see a deal or something like that, go ahead and bid. But like for the most part, the process of not bidding early is very similar to trading back. And so like if you're a person, you know, you hear everybody say, try to trade back out of the first and second and pick a bunch of those, those guys in the 25 to 60 range. Well, that's exactly what you're doing by not bidding early. And then you end up with a lot more of those guys in that 25 to 60 range. And, um, you know, it's just a different process, but that's, it's very similar, um, way of attacking it and you don't have you don't have to make trades with anybody that's the beauty of it like you can just sit back and let it happen and and you're not reliant on other people making decisions for you so yeah i, I dig that that's that's very much how i play it so it's really I, hard to not bid for oh like, yeah there's a good couple of days like it's <laughs> it's really hard to be like everyone's so excited to start a new league like you're like you know it's it's covid quarantine you're like hey i'm gonna join leagues and then i'm not gonna be active for couple days like during the draft like it's it's really hard not to takes a lot of discipline but like you're gonna be in a better position later on if you don't and to um kind of there's in my experience there's at least a couple times where people were super passive to start so you kind of have to have an idea like okay the studs usually go for 25 percent of your uh your money or 25 you know whatever the range is well, you might start seeing guys only selling for 20%. So, you know, just kind of be aware of that as well because you might be able to get some deals early on that you you weren't anticipating. So I agree the sit back the sit back for two days, but don't ignore the the auction, I guess. You know what I mean? Still be paying attention and keeping track of stuff. Yeah, actually, and this this reminded me of one more point I want to talk about. Like I so I, I never get into how much I want to spend on, on position. Like, I know that's a big thing out in the community right now. Like don't spend more than 25% on a player, like go through and commit to 30% at quarterback, 15% or whatever it is. I never do that. Like I, I, I like to read the market and, and being able to change that way. I do. What I do though, is I have a spreadsheet that calculates kind of, I know this is how much money I have to spend. I have $200. I need to fill 20 roster spots so I can average this much per. And then I, I put in an auto calculates. Um, if I put, go above on somebody, I go $30 and the highest bid I can go on this and still fill my roster is this. Um, and so I have a spreadsheet that I, I track my, my auctions on that way. Um, if anybody wants it, reach out to me. Um, I I'll, I'll send it. It's nothing special. Um, but um, I, I can, I, that's what I do to just attract spending. Um, I've been my first couple auctions. I didn't do that. And I got into where I, Oh dang it. I have so many roster spots to fill and now I can't buy anybody like, but more than a dollar. Like I, I, somebody wants to go two bucks on somebody. I I'm outbid automatically and that's the worst feeling. So um, that'll, that's definitely helped to keep me like in check on my spending. Never leave the auction with money left over. Like I see, I see that never leave an auction with money left over. Like it doesn't do anything for you. Like that's why these spreadsheets will help like track it or like 
or whatever tracking system you use, but you never leave with money left over and never go to the end where you're like, Oh, well I have this money to spend. So I'm putting $8 on this guy. That's worth a dollar. Like you never want to get in that situation as well. So it's definitely like a timing type situation. Yeah. You you just need to know when to go in, when to kind of hold back. It's it's tough, but. And the only time I, I disagree with your comment is if you're in safe leagues and their auctions, actually the money you don't spend is your blind bid for the year. Yeah, so, in, a, in a league like that, then definitely. Yeah, So, but that would be the only time you wouldn't do that. And that I'm picking an outlier. Dustin's suggestion is 100% spot on. When you're concocting trades, how aggressive are you in what you're asking for what you're giving up? So a lot of people think activity is just trading in waivers. I'm active in just communicating with my league mates as much as I can. Um, because when I want to deal, I want to have that like relationship already built. So that's kind of how I start trades, um, is being active year round, just in communication with my league mates as much as I can. Like when I got up to like 30 something leagues, that's a little bit more challenging to, to do on a consistent basis. But, um, you know, that, that helps me kind of gain offers. Most of my offers aren't cold offers. I would say ever. Um, I'm like, I gauge interest year round. Um, and I see what other owners are doing and I see like if they're sending me offers. Um, I just, how, how do you think your team's doing? Just like having that. Cause then just having those conversations, you're going to get to know a lot about your, your league mates and kind of who they're high on, who they're not on. And that's when I attack. I, I know this guy, he's been sending me an offer every single day for Jalen Rager. So I know he's out on Jalen Rager. Like he has no interest in him. Um, and like, there was a lot of that during the season. Like I knew nobody was like this one owner had Robert Woods in the couple weeks in the middle when he wasn't doing much. And like, he was just trying to get him out to everybody. So like those, like me communicating with owners, I know that. So it allows me to go in and, um, kind of attack. I don't, I'm not like a, a pressure, but I am pretty like consistent in my offering. Um, like, no, this is a good deal and I'll show you why it's a good deal. Um, and it, it generally, generally works. Um, more than not, I would say, um, like I said at the beginning, I'm a good, I'm a good salesman. Um, I, I used to do sales. Uh, I think, uh, getting trades done is a lot of that. Um, but I think that the thing that really helps me trade is I'm not scared to lose a deal. And a lot of people go into a trade, like scared to lose the deal and they have to win. Like, I know that there's deals I'm going to lose. Like that's just part of the game. And a lot of the times those, those ones that people think you're going to lose or you lose on paper, you actually win. So like, I never get caught up in what a calculator says. Like, yes, I look at calculators. Everybody does like just to like, just get what the, and I, I use the calculators to see what, the market is saying a, a value a player is worth. So I know like, okay, I might not agree with that. So I'm not going to go for that player because the market is too high for me. Like, so that's, that's the way I use calculators and the trade analyzers and things like that. Um, but I, I will use it to my advantage if like to prove my, to prove a deal as well. So I I'm, I'm persistent, but I'm not like pushy, but like, I am the type, like I'm always talking to others as well. And I do use that. Like, Hey, like I am talking to someone else about this player, like, or, and I'm the also type in it's, it's got me in a little bit of trouble. If somebody's coming to me to buy a player for me, I do go out and see if there's other people willing to pay more. Like, and that's what you like. That's a good thing to do. Like 
I, can you always see that on, on in group chats? Like, oh man, I didn't know this player was on the block. I would have paid you way more for that. Like, if somebody's coming for your player, shop them around to other owners. Don't say it is like bad form to be like, hey, so and so offered me this. Would you pay more? I'll be like, hey, where are you at on this player? Like, are you interested? What would you offer? Um, I'm shopping him around a little bit. Like, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, so I do that a lot. Um, if if I'm talking trades with owners, and that's how I like increase the activity with just every other owner in my league, is just like, hey, somebody's asking asking me about this player. Are you interested in just going down that path? That's kind of the way that I start a lot of my conversations. Yeah, that's actually a. a probably an inefficiency uh, for a lot of players is they don't do that. And I'm included in that group, like where I don't, I'm the opposite of you and the trades at least like, I just want to get it done. And so like, I pretty much know immediately whether I think I'm going to be able to get a trade done or not. Like, so like, and you are persistent and I, I totally appreciate that. Like, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that in a positive way. It's like, cause it's not to the point where it would, like tick somebody off but you're just saying hey like you're tell me like you know because i'm very much like i don't really talk to people a lot like so it's like okay nah i don't want to do this trade but then you're like well how about this how about this and you know and, and i'm not saying that in a negative way it's like you're uh, you're trying to push to get something done and i'm at the opposite end of the spectrum where i'm just like nope i've already shut that off in my brain but there's gonna be a lot of people that once you figure out what they want you know, maybe you offer something different, like a different type of trade, they might be willing to accept it. So um, I think that you're definitely way more effective as a trader than I am, because I'm very much I want to get it done, like, maybe an offer a counter, we're done, you know what I mean? Like, and that and that's like, you know, so I appreciate actually the way that you do it, because I'm probably a bad trader in that regard because people are like, I don't get any feedback from you. <laughs> yeah. And like, I've definitely gotten some feedback that like, Hey, like I, I said, I didn't want to do the offer. Like, you know, but I'm always big. Like if I send an offer and I, and I'm always, and it gets rejected, I'm instantly like, Hey, is there a counter coming? Like, or, or like, is this player completely off the table? Like, I just don't want to, I don't want to waste my time trying to get somebody. But like, if it's usually if I'm like coming at you for a player, like I want that player. Um, I never come in with my highest offer off the beginning um, just so that we can negotiate a little bit um, to kind of see where you're at on a player. Um, but nothing is worse than a, a rejection with no, no comment or, or, or no counter or anything like that. Um, but then I, I always reach out and be like, Hey, like, is this player just off the table? Did you not like the offer? Like, just so I can understand. Um, and sometimes that comes across as like, I'm being too pushy, but like a lot of times it's just, I'm just trying to understand like, if, if I'm just way out and like you're, you're, that's not even close to you, then okay, cool. I know that I'm not going to be able to buy that player from you. I can move on. Um, but if you're, there's nothing back that I'm going to, I am going to come back to you. Like, Hey, what if I had this? What if I had this and just go to where I know that I would pay. And then at that point, if I still, it's still a no, then okay. Then I know I need to move on. But um, if I don't get a response and that's what you're going to get from me. So yeah. 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 That's fair <laughs> enough. So like, I'll totally answer like, and I, I'm usually putting something in the comments, you know, like usually. Um, so, but it's just like, all right, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. And then like, no, you, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, and that's a th very important. You just need to learn and you know, just anybody like certain people like to get wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, let's get this trade done and that's it. And then there's other people that 
you know, like to trade or like to negotiate and squeeze like a fourth rounder out of you, you know, like there's, so it's fun. It's like, it's interesting learning everybody's like kind of nuance of how they handle things. And, um, yeah, I dig it. Like trading's fun. Like that's why we're, uh, so I do trade a lot, but I just don't negotiate a lot, I guess. <laughs> Makes sense. Hey, hey, and it works for some people. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm probably more active than I would say like 90% of people out there. Like I'm just, I agree. Like it's just what I like to do. Like everyone's got their hobby. Like this is, this is what I yeah. do. Um, like, and like I said before, like it gets me in trouble sometimes. Sometimes I go too far. I know, but you know. All right. Enough of this football stuff. Uh, go to karaoke song. Man in the mirror by Michael Jackson. Nice. I love it. Um, that's my like, no, no, we're not doing that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like driving down the, driving down the car or driving down the road. Uh, the song comes on the car. Like I'm instantly full on microphone in the car. Like that's, that's my, that's my song. Uh, I can see that. You, you mentioned that you are in the Seattle area. Um, Mm -hmm. what's the best movie that takes place in Seattle? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of Sleepless in Seattle, which is probably like the the <laughs> so movie. So that would be the say. worst one. <laughs> um, I, I, I actually looked we... it up earlier to see movies that took place in Seattle, and I was surprised at some of them. Um, um I don't. I don't even know. Um, let's see. I'll rattle off a few. Yeah, Dante's Peak was. Yeah, that was that was from here. Twilight was like a couple hours away, um, but that wasn't very good. Did that take um, place in Seattle, or was that just filmed in Seattle? No, uh, the the whole story in Twilight was in, about two hours outside of Seattle in oh, this okay. little like small place. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey, I see. Yeah, um, there's not just there's just not a lot that comes out of, <laughs> uh, out of this area. That I'm looking at the list, and I'm like, yeah, there's not any good ones. I mean, um, ten things I hate about you. That's true. That I do like ten things I hate about you. That's filmed about half an hour. Uh, south to seattle i've actually it's that that school um where they filmed that at is a is a stadium like a castle that they turned into like a, a school okay. um i used to have a when i played high uh, basketball in high school we, we had games there so it was, it was pretty cool i was like oh they just filmed a movie here like you know now you know so that's probably the best one i forgot about that one so okay. so we'll go with that we'll talk some romantic comedies here yeah uh cool one tip you would give to yourself if you were starting dynasty right now um dynasty just read and read and read as much as you can um there's some great people out uh, on um dynasty twitter just in the industry just all over um that are fantastic um and then do as many mock drafts as you can so um whatever league type that you're doing john hogue is always running um definitely get in with John Hogue and follow him on Twitter, subscribe to his tweets. Um, coming up in March and April, he does a lot of uh, mock drafts so that you can go in and you can just practice drafting, see what people are doing. Um, if you get in his, the, the run on MFL, you can do trading in the mocks, I believe. Um, so a lot of just, you know, getting back is just seeing what, what player value is in trades and stuff like that. I think, um, but if it's your first one, I probably w- wouldn't try to trade in the startup because it's just going to be really, really difficult for you to do. Um, just do as many mocks and read and talk to people. Um, and like, 
there's lots of us out there that are always willing to help through a draft. Like I, I, I say all the time, my DMs are open. Like I have people that message me weekly for advice and ask me questions. Um, I'm willing to help through a draft, um, trades, whatever. Like there's lots of people in the industry. So just get out there and like start interacting with people is really what's going to help you learn. Um, because really it's not dynasty. Isn't so much about what you think a player's value is. It's what everybody else thinks the player value is. And it took me a little, I've been doing dynasty for about eight or nine years now. Um, but it took me a couple of years to really get that. Like I was, you know, I felt like I was really good at analyzing player, player performances and stuff like that. That doesn't really matter in dynasty. Um, like it, it does to an extent, but it's more about knowing your league and, and watching trends and, and, and performances or trends and values and being able to uh, capitalize on that. That's really what, what dynasty is about, at least to me. Um, so getting just, just reading and talking to as many people as you can will help that. All right. I have two questions and we'll be, I'll get you out of here. Oh, no so worries. Uh, best bowling score ever. So I, I heard you on the talk, talk about this um, with Finero on the last one. So, Back when I was like 15 years old, right? My dad was like, you know, I'm getting ready to start driving. My dad's like, you bowl a perfect 300. I'll buy you any car that you want, right? And I was like, all right. And I, here I am 15. Like, I'm a straight bowler. I, I don't have no curve or anything like that. I bowled a 267. Oh, wow. So just um, open frame. I, yeah, so I got I got close. Um, and my dad was like, he was sweating for a while. I think I, <laughs> I didn't. I had a strike uh, every frame through the sixth. Um, and he was like. He was not feeling it, and so ever since then I've been like, "Yeah, I'm such a great bowler, and I, I'm not good." Like, well, 267's um, damn good. It, I mean, that one time it, it was good. I've I don't think I've broke 200 cents. Like, I think even you're the close. highest score so far. Um, I have a buddy of mine who's bowled a couple uh, perfect 300s um, a couple times, and then we go back and forth about it. But I think like my average probably like 130 to 140, but 260 267 was was. I'm, pr- I'm proud of that one. Hell yeah. You 15 years that's old. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's uh, that's impressive. So okay, that's my, now. that's my story. I tell everybody. So that's why I remember the score so well. Cause I talk about it all the time. Yeah. That's, that's pretty ballsy of your dad to be offering up a car for that. You know, like, I mean, he, at the time, like I had just bowled like an 80. So I, uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's okay. You know, so um, it reminds me of Woody Harrelson and white man can't jump, you know, just hustling out there. Like just, yeah doing that's my favorite movie by the way that's a great movie um all right so my last question is what's one player that you can't get on board with that most people do oh man that's a really good question Clyde edwards hilaire okay I, I i see a lot of i listened to the footballers this week they had Clyde edwards hilaire as an early second round pick um and I, I did get suckered in a little bit in rookie drafts that like, oh, he went to Kansas City. He's a great fit. Like, I just don't know that he's ever really going to be what everybody wants him to be. Um, and I like probably every other running back that came out last year over him, like okay. in all reality, like from a skill set standpoint. And I just know that I'm never going to pay what people are, are wanting for him. Um, he's kind of like, you know, we see this a lot, like players that are the one one on one in their drafts. Like even if they don't do well, they still kind of hold that value for a while, no matter what the case is. And I just I know that it's a guy that I'm never going to be able to afford. 
Um, and another one, one more is Russell Wilson. Um, and I'm a Seahawks fan, so it's it's interesting. I just I've seen it too many times, and I think the community is kind of trying, kind of seeing that now. But he's just he's just so inconsistent. Like he always ends it in the top five to ten. Um, so like end of end of year, like at this time of the year, everyone's like, oh yeah, Russell Wilson was a quarterback five last year. Like he's great. Let's go buy him. But like he was really only good for you for six weeks last year, and then he hurt you every other week. Yeah, that's um, so I'm just issue, kind of right? out on him. Yeah, because yeah, that's he's very hot and cold. Like he's gonna win you games, but he's gonna lose you games also. And that he's a tough one. Like I've always liked him. Like he's just like you can't argue it when you look back. Like how many times like he's scored forty and then scored like ten, you know? And it's yeah. like ten's really tough to like manage. And and then the offense just holding him back in volume for the most part. And then. It seems like all the times he had he's bad is like the last four weeks of the season. So it's like really tough. Like Hogue's always on the end of year Russell Wilson because it's just yep. it seems like he loses your playoffs every year. And yep. I never had looked at it. And when once he brought it up, it it happened and it happened a lot. So I have yeah. one share left of him, and I I will be trading him. But I I'm waiting right waiting right now because his value isn't high right now because of like kind of the way he ended the year. So like I'm waiting till closer to the season when like it's starting to bounce back a little bit and then I'll sell him. Um, like I don't need to sell him to get out right now. So like, there's no point. Um, I should have sold him like when he was cooking, um, like that would have been the smart thing to do, but it's hard to do that, especially on your own, your home team. Like we're all fans first. It's hard to like, be like, okay, Russell Wilson, he's quarterback one by a lot right now. I'm going to sell him. Like it's hard to do. Um, but you know, that's what I'm gonna, going to do this year. Cause I'm not going to get burnt again. Okay, and then so because you are a Seattle guy, uh, thoughts on Metcalf? I loved I love DK. I loved him coming out. I still think he's always going to be limited in Seattle. Um, I just think that at least who knows what the new offensive coordinator is going to do, but Pete still wants to run. That's what he's he said, and that's why he they let go of Brian Schottenheimer because they want to run more. But but Brian Schottenheimer is a guy that runs the ball a lot, so just isn't looking good for what they want to do. And it's really weird because like Lockett and Metcalf together are, are fantastic and Wilson is fantastic. So I don't know why we wouldn't use them. It, it's one of the most infuriating things about being a Seahawks fan. Um, I, I don't know that he's ever, that he's going to be a consistent wide receiver one year in and year out. And I like, that's just one of my issues with the community is like everybody, as a as a wide receiver one, but there's really only twelve spots for their like, and there's just there's just other guys that are going to be more consistent and on offenses that are going to throw that don't have Tyler Lockett on the other side of them. Um, he's going to have his big games, but he's also going to have his games where he disappears. Um, and that's I love him as a talent, but I just don't know that Seattle's ever going to be enough for him. I don't normally do this where we talk about specific players. This is usually more of a, a macro than micro kind of thing. But yeah. let me uh, rattle off some players and you tell me who you prefer, DK or this player. Because I'm looking yeah. at January ADP on DLF, and he is wide receiver one. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. Like, okay, so, he, I mean, that's with six six drafts. So, he was averaging being 5.67. Um, so fifth or sixth pick. The highest or the latest he was selected was seventh, and the earliest was fourth overall. 
Yeah, so, that's that's too high. <laughs> yeah. So okay, I'm gonna rattle off wide receivers, and you tell me who you prefer. Devontae Adams. Adams. Uh, Justin Jefferson. I think Jefferson, but that's okay. close. But Jefferson. This is who I actually want to talk to you about is AJ Brown. I that's a that's a really good one because I think AJ Brown is kind of in that same situation. That team is going to run the ball a lot. I think I want to go AJ Brown um, just because Henry is a better running back. That's going to take Henry is going to take more attention than Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are, and AJ. Corey Davis is a free agent, so it's just going to be AJ Brown there. Who knows if Davis is back? Like Lockett is fantastic in his own. That like if Metcalf isn't performing, then they have Lockett. Um, where Brown is going to be peppered. Um, so I'll take AJ Brown there. Okay, um, Tyreek Hill. I would take Tyreek. Okay. Yeah, Tyreek. Uh, Diggs. Diggs. CD Lamb. I think I take DK there. Um, okay, and then yeah. let me just go over a few more after and see if there's anybody else. So uh, yeah. Calvin Ridley, Ridley, uh, Hopkins, DK. Okay, Michael Thomas. Um, Thomas for now. Okay, and um, Terry McLaurin, DK. Okay, so yep. you kind of have him at around wide receiver nine, and like. I can't argue with that. It's just like, I I kind of agree that it's uh, it's interesting the perception because he did amazing er, the first half just like uh, Russell did. But uh, we look at what the second half was and it wasn't nearly that. And I don't think he's wide receiver one in most people's minds, but he's wide receiver one in those mock drafts. So it, you know, there's somebody in some leagues probably that. You might be able if you have DK, you might be able to move him for something better. Yeah, hundred percent. If I had him, I would sell him. Yeah, but I don't. All right. Well, I think that's it. We uh, we went a, a little over time, and I appreciate it, uh, Dustin. Uh, I miss you. I miss uh, miss you on junkies. I miss all that. Uh, you know, but you know, I really appreciate you making the time to uh, come on here and shoot the sheet with me uh, a little bit and uh you know appreciate you brother let everybody know uh where they can find you and all that fun stuff yeah no it was it was a blast coming on I, i'm excited to do it like i think what you're doing here is awesome like it's it's cool to be able to talk about every stuff that's just not just like the normal um thing that podcasts talk about like most podcasts out there really talk about the same thing like what happened this week what's your recap what's like it's cool to just like get to know like more strategy and like just the people so I, I appreciate you coming on it was a lot of fun um i'm dustin at dynasty junkie ff on twitter um i'm still around um I'm not podcasting as much anymore but i'm still out there so um dms are always open if you guys have any questions want to talk or chat or have need advice or anything i'm i'm out there so um yeah that's it pretty easy i'm just just out having fun thanks everybody for listening and uh we will talk to you next time oh.